0: You don't need to think of financial independence as like a strict accumulation phase and then retirement phase. Like it doesn't really have to work like that. Life is fluid and life is not supposed to be like this exact roadmap you have to follow precisely, right?
1: Welcome to the FI show. Where you get a behind the scenes look at your financial independence. Here's your host, Cody and Justin. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the FI Show. Cody, where in the world are you now?
2: <laughs> I am in Santiago, Chile right now, and it is not Chile at all here. It's like 85 out. How about you, man?
1: I'm keeping it pretty simple, just in Boston this week because I'm between two trips. Just got back from Dallas on Sunday and heading to Mississippi in a couple days for Christmas. So, you know, you got to stay home, got to work a little bit, right? And before we give you a rundown of what this episode's about, let's hear a quick word from our sponsor. One of the best ways to protect your family is with
2: term life insurance. Even though we don't like to think about it, it's important to have financial protection in case the unexpected happens. Bestow is an awesome and reputable life insurance partner of ours that makes this process simple and easy. They use data to remove doctor visits and paperwork involved with the traditional life insurance process. And you can apply from anywhere in just minutes. You don't have to jump through a bunch of hoops to determine your eligibility. You'll receive an approval response right away. It literally took me less than one minute to get my estimated quote, and you can go do the same. Get your free and convenient quote by visiting the slash bestow. That's thefyshow.com slash
1: bestow, B-E-S-T-O-W, bestow, life insurance made easy. And as I mentioned earlier, you know, you got to work a little bit. That's kind of what Lauren and mentality is. So they work just as much as they have to. And then they spend months on the road and they do it in a very frugal fashion, but I don't want to steal the entire episode. Take it away, Lauren and Steven.
3: So I actually paid my way through college. I had a scholarship that covered tuition, but I worked as a waitress and took on some freelance work in my field of journalism during school. And I think you know, I kind of had to be hyper aware of my finances, because I was doing it myself then. But when we moved to California for grad, for when Stephen went to grad school, you know, things kind of shifted in that regard, because Stephen's parents were helping him through school. And then when we went to California, he kind of took more responsibility in that regard. And we kind of started learning a little bit more about personal finance, wanting to figure out what to do, like, what are the best steps to take now that we're kind of Earning, I I started my first like real job as a receptionist and like we started having some real kind of income and trying to figure out what do we do with that money? Like we have it and we were living in California, so it was expensive, but we wanted to not spend everything because that didn't feel good either. And Steven actually started doing like a lot of research. We went in and talked to a Chase advisor at one point. But, you know, I think I'm going to let Steven kind of talk about his experience in, in that because I think you kind of spearheaded the notion of financial independence. And then later on, I found Mr. Money Mustache and was like, hey, this guy sounds a lot like what we're doing. But did you want to?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think like the key for us, like post college graduation was we we managed to graduate debt free. Lauren, like she said, put herself through college and my parents kind of helped me along the way, along with the scholarship. So we knew we were in like a good position starting out in life and we didn't want to mess that up. So once we started to have like an income in California, I started to get interested in investing, really not so much in financial independence yet, but just thinking like, hey, if you're if you're managing to save a little bit of money, you've got like a real income coming in. Couldn't you put that money to work for you somehow? And so, yeah, we, we went to Chase Bank and we spoke to an investment advisor. And that actually turned out to be a really like bad, like a good lesson for us, but like in a bad way. It was an advisor that worked on commission and they sold us into this super high fee fund that we really had no business being in. And we paid like a load fee on it and like all this kind of crazy stuff. But after that, you know, I started like talking to Lauren about, well, if you got into this whole investing thing and every dollar that you put in starts paying you out something, doesn't that mean like eventually if you had enough money, you would have enough income from those investments to pay for all your living expenses? So we kind of like came up with that idea. And then one day Lauren sent me a link to Mr. Money Mustache that she just like found through, I don't know, a news article or something like that. And I just dove right into that. I read like almost all the articles and started learning about this whole financial independence thing. And like the weird idea that we had is like a real thing you can actually do. And so that's what really got us excited is the idea that, you know, money can be used to actually generate income and like replace your job over time. That was like just such an exciting concept.
3: I was always the frugal one, our living expenses, we kept relatively low, and still are but you know, kind of the investing part and making putting your money to work was definitely more Stevens influence and like, where he shines and then my side is like the budgeting and the keeping costs low and finding ways to like maximize and optimize.
0: I think one of our strengths definitely was that we got started on this like right out of college. So we were able to continue that college lifestyle and not experience much lifestyle inflation because we discovered financial independence soon enough that it wasn't like, okay, how are we going to cut our crazy expenses down to fit this financial independence thing? It was like, hey, our expenses are already like eating Taco Bell and ramen noodles. So it should be pretty easy to do this whole financial independence thing. So I think that it's a big advantage when you can start early. And we just got lucky in that respect.
1: So I know you said that you didn't really have to change a ton because you found it so early, but we kind of like made that turn from you've started investing, you're you're interested in it, but then you kind of discover some of the other online personas and you get really fired up about it. Was there some tactical changes that you made that you weren't doing before you realized that financial independence is a real thing that, that is achievable?
0: I'd say that it went from we live this lifestyle because we don't have that much money, like we're in college or whatever. It went from that to being like, we are deliberately going to make sure that we only spend money in ways that is going to like, really make us happier in some way and and try to keep our expenses down absolutely as low as possible. And like rethink every dollar spent after we discovered financial independence. It was like, Instead of just saying, well, we spend what we have and what we have isn't a lot, it was like, "Okay, if we don't spend this dollar, we get to invest it. And that gets us closer to this financial independence thing. And that's really exciting. So I would say that discovering the whole like FIRE community made us really excited about every time that we could cut an expense or, you know, invest a dollar more wisely or something like that. Just like increase the excitement level and the happiness that you actually get the, the joy you get from cutting your expenses, it actually made it exciting.
3: A big part of what we started doing once we kind of had this goal, you know, we didn't, I don't know that we had the official like financial independence label on it so much, but we started tracking our net worth and that we set up the spreadsheet and every month we got to check in and see the progress we made. And I think having like this progress point check-in really helped keep us accountable, but got us excited. I mean, we saw the numbers ticking up every month and that I think it helped us shift our mindset and stay excited about the concept. Every time, you know, we got an extra, you know, we got a tax refund or we got a bonus. It was like, oh my God, did you see the month? Like that was exciting for us.
2: So I want to preface this first question with, so how long have you guys been together for? It sounds like you came out of college, like straight out of the <laughs> gate, just like ready to hit financial independence.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's kind of true. And we definitely got lucky in that way. We met on the first day of high school and we started dating like late in junior year, I think, of high school. And we've been together ever since. So by the time we were in college, definitely by the time we were graduating college, we were practically married. I mean, like, well,
3: we got engaged. We, we
0: weren't We weren't <laughs> even technically engaged. But like, we, we had like commingled finances by the end of college and stuff. And so yes, we did hit the ground running as a team. And that was definitely like a huge boost. No doubt about it. And then yeah, we got engaged in California, which was my first year of grad school, and got married a couple of years after that, like two or three years after that.
3: I think that it's been a big benefit to have a partner in things. You know, it helps split costs and you have two incomes coming in. And, you know, one of the things that we try to talk about on the blog is, you know, it's easy to look at us and be like, oh, well, you guys have been doing it together. That makes things a little bit easier. But we've actually taken on roommates here in Gainesville and you can do it even with friends. Like You don't have to pull your, your incomes together, but just splitting costs and things like that can really set you up for a lower expenses and being able to like have shared goals again like if you're both trying to pay off student loans you can do it with your friends you don't have to necessarily have a partner for life ready to go it can be done with friends as well so i just wanted to kind of point that out to you
2: yeah so where i wanted to go with this was i know from doing my homework that you guys have talked a lot about the numbers you understood the saving you understood the investing but as someone who is just locked in on the numbers they might spend five to seven years both in corporate America are just burying their heads in the sand, hit that financial independence goal, call it quits. But you guys have a vastly different story. Could you talk about the transformation point right after you graduated from college?
0: Yes, sure. So we graduated from college, we moved to California, I was going to get a PhD in particle physics. And Lauren took a job there just working full time. She was like a receptionist for like a design company there. So, you know, we were like on this track, like she was going to work full time, I was going to get my PhD, we were starting our careers and all that. I kind of felt really burned out really quickly on grad school, because I had already been studying physics for four years, and it was getting way harder, to be honest with you. And I just got burned out on it. So from that point, I got this email from the University of Central Florida about this master's degree program back in Florida again. And it was a free master's degree if you work as a teacher for at least one year. And like a public school teacher. So after a lot of debating and stuff, we ended up moving back to Florida. And I left the PhD program, became a teacher, we worked full time for two more years there. So I was a teacher for two years, Lauren took a job doing like marketing for a small financial company. And we saved really, really hard for those two years. So I would say during that period of our life, that like two and a half to three years, we were honestly like, hitting the ground running on this financial independence thing, just like you said, like really saving as hard as we could. Our incomes weren't huge or anything. Like I made $38,000 a year as a teacher. I made less. Lauren made a little bit less than that. But we still made a lot of progress. We actually were able to increase our net worth by over $100,000 in the two years that I was a teacher. But after that is when the turning point really happened for like Well, wait, what are we going to be doing for the next five or 10 years? Like, how's our life going to look? So we got married during that period when I was a teacher. And we thought about like, well, what do you want to do for a honeymoon? And instead of taking the traditional like, hey, let's take one or two weeks and do like a lavish vacation that might cost five or ten thousand dollars or something crazy like that. What if we do something a little different? We're both getting kind of burned out on working full time. What if we just took like a big break? And so we said, hey, we've never been to Hawaii before. It sounds really, really cool. Definitely want to go there. It's very expensive and it's very hard to justify buying plane tickets to Hawaii to just go there for like a week. So we said, hey, what if instead of a traditional honeymoon, we wait till the end of school year and we fly to Hawaii and we just live there for like six months, maybe more, we'll see, but let's, let's say six months. And so we took that as our honeymoon. And the idea behind that concept was instead of taking a vacation that's a very high cost per unit time if we go somewhere and do like a long term travel deal and instead of staying in hotels we rent out an apartment with a 6 month lease and instead of getting a rental car we you know buy like a used car on Craigslist and sell it back when we leave and all those things if we could do all that I bet we could make this really really cheap and so it turned out that actually our 6 months in Hawaii that was like our honeymoon ended up being basically the same cost or maybe even a little bit cheaper than living in Florida and just working full-time and staying in one place was. And we were pretty much just out there exploring and having fun all day, every day. And we have like a whole budget breakdown of what that looked like on our website and stuff. We ate a lot of rice. (laughs) Yeah, we did eat a lot of rice. I mean, we were definitely frugal. And like in terms of furnishing our apartment, man, it was nothing special at all because we knew it was all temporary, right? You know, we knew we were going to be leaving and we couldn't take any of it with us around an island in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. So we kept everything super minimalist out there, but we didn't really spend much time in the apartment. We spent a lot of time out in the world and exploring and it was just like this super magical six months. And the end of that story sort of is we ended up coming home Without the same net worth as we set out with. And we only did about 10 hours a week of work while we were there. So
3: it was almost like a dry run for this concept of financial independence. Like, what could that look like for us? You know, what are we working toward? You know, what is the point of working so hard the last few years? You know, now we're taking this break. Is this what life is going to be like for us once we have enough that we're financially independent? And we kind of really like that self-directed. Every day we woke up, looked at our list of, you know, what do you want to do today? Like, these are the things that we made sure to check out while we were on the island. And, you know, every day it was something different or something that we really like or taking a work day and that kind of being able to be your own boss in a sense, not just of your work life, but your entire life. And that's what was really exciting about our time in Hawaii. Now, when we were leaving Hawaii, we were fully re-energized to jump right back into the workforce. We were like, hell yeah, this is what we want to do with our lives. Like, We we have a reason to be doing this. And we were like, let's go get jobs. Let's make more money than we did before. Let's grind it out a few more years because this is worth it. Like, What we just experienced, we want to experience more of. And that kind of led us back to Gainesville. It's a super low cost of living here. Our friends lived here still, and we were like, Gainesville's great. We really enjoy it. So let's check out living there and see you know what kind of jobs are there and we ended up getting right back into the workforce pretty quickly within a few months and of moving back and
0: yeah actually since we didn't deplete our net worth at all on that Hawaii trip we we're actually able to come back to Gainesville and immediately buy our first home for cash so we bought like a modest little condo it was like $70,000 and we just paid cash for it After having been essentially on vacation for six months. So that was pretty cool.
3: And, you know, having it paid off too, like lowered our expenses and we were able to bank a lot of our new incomes, which were also higher than our previous incomes. And so we really had a great next couple of years that led into our most recent trip where we were on the road for seven months going to all the national parks.
1: So one thing I was curious about is, A, like how long ago was this Hawaii trip and B, what is life like? I know you said you come back energized, but was it hard to kind of be like, oh man, now we got to go back to work, we're going back to working full time or was it just, were you just so motivated by the Hawaii trip that it was actually kind of easy?
0: Yeah. So first I'll give you like the timeline just because I know it's confusing. There's like a million different things in here, but but it was basically 2012, we graduated college, University of Florida. And then I went to University of California, Irvine. We were in California for like nine months or so. And then we moved back to Florida again for me to get my master's degree at UCF and be a teacher and save that $100,000 and all that stuff. And then it was actually 2014 we got married and 2015 was our Hawaii trip. And then so after that, what do we get? Get back like
1: uh,
0: January 2016, something like that. Yes. We got, we got back around January 2016 to Florida again, bought our condo for cash. And then basically, we went back to work full time, nose to the ground, saving as much as possible, increased our incomes, kept our expenses super low because we didn't have a mortgage or a rent or anything. And Gainesville is a pretty low cost of living place to live. And then uh, we worked for about three years or so there. And that's when we did our national park trip in 2019.
3: And then your question, you Uh, asked, were we energized coming back? (laughs) Well, I mean, to answer your question, we came back from Hawaii energized. But this last trip, we came back and we're like, why are we working full time? Why are we working as hard? So it has changed for us since the last trip. We
0: came back from Hawaii, very energized to work hard again full time. I, I think we both had agreed like that was a good time off, but we're nowhere near financial independence right now. And so we were ready to work hard. And that's why we spent another almost three full years doing that as hard as we could. And, and that, taking
3: on roommates. <laughs> yeah.
0: During that time, like we had two different roommates living in our house with us. And, and you know, that's not out of necessity. Like we had a paid off house, but we were just like, yeah, let's bring in as much extra income as we possibly could. So we were definitely like absolutely focused nose to the ground trying to reach financial independence after that Hawaii trip, for sure.
2: So I'm a side hustle nerd. So I kind of want to dig into some of these side hustles you're doing on the road because side hustles on the road, I'm guessing they have to be online, they're remote. Could you talk about like the genesis of these side hustles, what the side hustles were and how you were able to manage them from the road?
0: Cool. Yeah. So basically on our Hawaii trip, I had a couple of like private tutoring clients that I was working with and I continued to work with them online via like Skype and stuff like that. And I picked up a couple more tutoring clients on the island. We have always run a photography business, like shooting weddings and portraits and like all kinds of different stuff. And so we actually started to market that a little bit while we were in Hawaii as well. And that was a little easier there because we were like in one place, like we had a six month lease and we lived somewhere, or part of a community. And the other big thing, and this is sort of recurring for us, is we always if we're going to take a break from work, which we've done a couple times now, we try our best to negotiate like a part-time deal with our previous employer, always leave on good terms, never, never get to the point where, you know, we're like hating our jobs and doing a terrible job at the end and about to leave or something, always leave on good terms, like on a high note and say, Hey, do you want me to do some of this work continuing for you part-time going forward? And that's worked with varying success for us. Like for our Hawaii trip, Lauren was able to negotiate part-time work with her previous employer and she had about, I don't know, 10 or so hours a week that she was able to do that. So that's mainly what she did in Hawaii. I wasn't able to do anything like that in Hawaii because I was a public school teacher. There's really nothing to negotiate there. I, you, you have a contract as a teacher or you're not a teacher. So that's why I did like tutoring and we did our photography and stuff like that. For our more recent National park trip, it's kind of the same story. We both tried to renegotiate with our employers. Didn't work out quite as well for Lauren that time. Her employer didn't say no. But they wanted to pay her like significantly less per hour to be remote versus in an office because they really just didn't like the idea of remote employees. So she ended up declining that offer. And then she ended up finding some other freelance gigs, which she can talk about, which she did on the road as well. This time it worked out really well for me, though. I was able to negotiate a part-time deal with my employer that was very much to my liking. And I was able to work like again around like 10 or so hours a week while we were on the road on that national parks trip. And so those were sort of the main things. The other stuff, though, I mean, there's a million like side side hustles, I guess you'd say. We rented out our condo during that national parks trip the entire time. We signed a seven month lease with someone. What else? Where do we get money from? I feel like there was other stuff too. <laughs>
3: um, well, we did do photography on the road. We set up yeah. things, uh, across the country, like we reached out to connections that we had. One of the things that we usually do that we couldn't really do from the road is like buying and selling stuff, you know, electronics, even we'll fix things up, sell it on eBay, or even just like Craigslist, like someone was throwing away a like really nice coffee table the other day. And I was like, should we just bring this back to the house and list? It? <laughs> so, you know, we kind of are always open to those kind of opportunities, but on my side of things, you know, my background is in journalism and marketing, communications and kind of PR stuff. So, just kind of marketing my like tool belt of skills to various businesses, usually small businesses and saying like, "Hey, you know, I noticed that you're not listed on Google." Place. So like, you don't have a business page. Like, what, do you need help setting that up? Do you need help running your social media? That kind of thing. I've done a lot of social media work, but even doing photography for businesses, that's kind of where I've gone with my kind of freelance side hustle is just kind of breaking down the components and offering what makes most sense to a small business and kind of just going in cold ish to someone and saying, like, hey, would you be open? You know, would do you need this? And like, how could I help you? And like, let's make a deal that benefits us both. And that has generally worked out pretty well.
1: So I know we've been alluding to this seven-month national park trip for a while. So I'm curious, you know, you've come back from Hawaii, You, you work hard for three years, something happens that pushes you to do this trip. So I'd like to hear, you know, what was going through your head to make you decide to do the trip. And then obviously, we can jump into the tactical, what did that trip look like? Where were you going? How long was it? And that sort of thing.
2: We'll be right back after a quick word from one of our sponsors. Today's sponsor is one I use on a daily basis in my company, Gold City Ventures. That is the sound of a sale in your Shopify store. But did you know that Shopify now also powers in-person selling? Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store or small business. Accept payments, manage inventory, they have everything. Shopify brings together your in-person and online sales business into one source of truth. One dashboard, everything in one place. You know exactly what's going on. And now they have all these customization options. They have plug-and-play tools you can integrate with Instagram or TikTok or wherever. You can take your payments by phone or by tablet. Shopify makes it easy. Plus, if you have any questions, their support team is there to help you. I know we have a lot of entrepreneurs in this audience, and Shopify POS just breaks down that barrier to accepting payments with your business. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash fyshow, all lowercase, That's shopify.com slash fyshow to take your retail business to the next level today. shopify.com slash fyshow. Now back to the show. So
3: over those last like three years in between the two trips, we both took these like salaried, high stress, fast paced kind of jobs. And for me, it definitely was like wearing me down toward the end of my career with them. I didn't like hate it like that. I feel like that's a, you know, a lot of people get in this mindset of like they hate their job. It's not so much that I hated it. I was just, I was getting very burnt out. And I think, you know, we were both kind of feeling that. And so, you know, we would talk about it. And one of the things that, you know, we talked about coming back from Hawaii was, it seems like we could just do these trips whenever we want, you know, it didn't impact our financial goals in like a meaningful way we came back with the same net worth and you know maybe we should do something like that again and then I think really the idea for what to do was more Steven's concept you know we had been to some national parks before but you know we kind of looked it up and we're like okay they're 61 what kind of time frame how could we route this where we could go to all the parks is that viable is that feasible and you know just kind of talking it out mapping it you know we were like seems like we could do this in six to eight months and so it just came about just from talking
0: yeah I mean the idea for why the national parks is really just we had been to some before and every single national park we had ever visited was amazing the reason for why did you want to go to every single one all 61 in one trip is I think something that Lauren and I have found over the years is that like setting specific goals and achieving them together is really fun and like Brings about a different kind of happiness, and we're big on like setting big goals and like proving we can do them. And so I think it was just like a fun challenge to ourselves to say like, here's a list, like there's a list we could do all of them and check all the boxes, and like it was really fun to do that and to to say along the lit way like, yo, we got to keep on schedule and we got to make sure we do this and plan this stuff right because we're trying to hit all 61. It was it was just a fun and interesting challenge, and I think adding in like purposeful challenge into your life is something that can keep your life really interesting, especially post financial independence. I think that that's something that will come in handy is like being able to set goals for yourself and achieve them. It's just something that kind of gives you this intrinsic happiness, I guess.
3: We also set a goal to come away from each park with one like awesome image, like challenge ourselves as creatives as well when we're in the parks. And I think that helped us grow as photographers it helped us grow together as a team to be crossing these things off working together like hey hold this light and like hey like what about that over there you know hold this branch <laughs> like out of the way you know and i think that working together has on specific goals like that you know regardless of striving toward a financial goal just i don't know random goals has really helped keep our relationship interesting but also keep us on the same page of working together and keeping our life interesting as well
2: so you guys seem pretty frugal and pretty scrappy which i love because i'm totally like a scrappy traveler i've seen on your site that you've slept in the backs of cars before like whatever you have to do to get the job done could you give our listeners we love to be tactical on this show an idea of what a trip like this costs like i don't know if you tracked everything dollar for dollar but that would be really helpful and insightful
0: Yeah, so it's funny because we're like very anti budgeting in general, like we were very much of the camp of like, save as much as possible, not spend only within certain guidelines or whatever. So we never had any kind of budget for the trip at all. It was just like do it for as little as possible while still having a lot of fun. And During the trip, we really kind of had no idea what it was costing us. At the very end, we came back and we did. We ran all the numbers and we actually made like a long form blog post with like pie charts and all kinds of stuff about what everything costs. So the total cost of that trip, including like buying the van and its depreciation over the period, like our health care premiums, like our food, our Staying in hotels where we had to. Plane tickets. Uh, Plane tickets were a huge one because to get to some of the most remote national parks, you have to to actually charter planes where you're literally renting out a plane and a pilot all by yourself, which is insanely pricey. And we only did that because we were trying to hit all 61. But the total cost of the entire trip here was just under $37,000. So that's for seven months of two people to live. But keep in mind that that's like an all-in cost of an entire lifestyle. And that's a lot more than we spend at home, obviously. But that's like paying for absolutely every expense that you could imagine of ours, like including even like health insurance and stuff while we're gone. (laughs) Cell phone bills, like website posting fees, like everything is included in that. It's like our whole lifestyle cost. But we did a little calculation as well to see what that trip would have costed. If we cut out the most inaccessible national parks, like if we didn't go to all the crazy ones in like American Samoa and Hawaii and all the ones in Alaska that you have to like charter bush planes to and stuff like that, the total cost comes down to about $21,600 for the entire trip, which is a 41% decrease. So that I think is like a more realistic like, hey, what if you wanted to drive around in a van? and you know visit the national parks for seven months what would that cost that's more around like the twenty thousand dollar range the huge added cost to that was mainly because we were very specifically trying to hit all 61
1: which is really tough to do and during that seven months did you also calculate how much money you earned through the work that you were doing
0: yeah, so incidentally, and it wasn't planned this way at all, but it was about $37,000 the cost, and we earned about $37,000 <laughs> through our work plus renting out our condo. And then in addition to that, the market went up substantially while we were gone. And you know, at this point, we're like pretty far along our journey toward financial independence, so our net
2: worth actually increased
0: by a lot over the course of the
2: trip. That is awesome. <laughs> that is the best of both worlds. That is so amazing. And proves to people that like you can go and do really awesome things while saving a lot of money. And if it's invested, you're actually making money, which is even an is. even cooler thing. So
0: that's what we're really trying to share with people. I, I think that's sort of the core of like our blog and like our mission is financial independence is super cool. You should put your nose to the ground and save hard and keep your expenses low and all that stuff. But you don't have to hate the journey along the way. Like, it's OK to take breaks. And even if you take breaks that net you zero dollars, like where your net worth doesn't even change over that period, you haven't lost any progress. All you've lost is a little bit of opportunity costs in the form of time. But you, it really refreshes you and makes you feel better about going to work. And you're supposed to enjoy the journey, right? It doesn't have to be nose to the grindstone all the entire time or whatever.
3: And it gives you, you know, for us, especially taking that break to Hawaii, really gave us a reason, like, we were able to tangibly see, like, what we're working toward. And I think that was huge for us. You know, a lot of people, I've read a lot of articles about people who have, you know, made that switch from, you know, full-time work immediately. They've been counting down the days, they get to financial independence, and they're like, what do I do now? And, you know, for us, like, we've started kind of building in our own purpose along the way, and f- taking these breaks has really shown us what is out there for us to enjoy when we do hit full financial independence. And I think that has been really important for us too.
0: Yeah, you can think of the long-term travel stuff as like dry runs for fire. Like what would it be like to be retired? It really feels that way. and and if you can find yourself being happy and find yourself a purpose for you know six months at a time while you don't have a job chances are you're going to do pretty well, you know,
2: post-retirement too, I would think. So we're recording this in November of 2019. When did this National Parks trip end?
0: So we went from January to August of, of 2019.
2: Yeah. Okay, so just a couple of months ago. Yeah. So I know you had mentioned, Lauren, that like this trip kind of just reshifted your whole mindset again. What do the next few years or, you know, next decade look like for you guys?
3: So we're actually pretty close to, to hitting like our fire number, maybe in the next couple of years. But At this point, you know, especially on this trip, what happened for us is we anticipated coming back from the trip and again, being kind of re-energized, ready to get back to work. But what happened instead was we came back and we were like, why are we working so hard? Why, what's kind of the point of this when we can pay for expenses and still save money at this point in our life with what we have saved up, you know, market returns, that sort of thing is, you know, if you think about our income or our ability to earn as kind of a dial, we can dial it up or dial it down. Why are we going full blast full volume here, you know, like, and being miserable, like in that, you know, when you're working hard, it is it is hard to like enjoy life along the way you're busy, you know, and is there a point where maybe we could turn it halfway and do part time work and find the time for the things that we did enjoy along the way of being on the trip, doing photography, taking little mini trips here and there. We actually still have the van. It's only been a few months, but we are actually going to keep it through the fall, through the winter, because the weather is good again for little camping trips and excursions around Florida. But the mindset for me was just, you know, I was doing this part-time work, and it's a significant enough income without so much of my time spent sitting in an office that, like, why would I go back to that now when I... Can enjoy my life and enjoy what I'm doing, and it still cover our costs, cover our expenses. And I think Stephen is starting to feel that way too.
0: Yeah, I came back to my full time job because I was working for my employer on the road part time. I had negotiated that that part time deal, so I came back full time. And I thought that it would feel more like when we came back from Hawaii, like I'd be really energized and just ready to work full time constantly. And I just haven't really been feeling that way. And like Lauren said, we're getting pretty close to that financial independence, like number, if you want to put a number on it. And so we have a lot of freedom, a lot of flexibility. So we're just thinking, why don't we like taper off the work along the way and just start to experience some of that freedom now instead of waiting until we hit some very specific number. So, yeah, I'm trying to right now renegotiate and become like part time indefinitely, sort of. So I'm kind of in the middle of that right now.
3: And I'm not anticipating going back to a full time job anytime soon. I mean, obviously, if like the market crashes, and like, you know, it feels bad, maybe I'll go back. But right now, I'm really enjoying what I'm doing. And I have got, you know, a couple different clients that I'm working for, and then our blog as well. And that's enough.
1: And I know you said that, like, maybe this specific number goal isn't the thing you're going after as much anymore. I mean, that you're a little more focused on, not dialing the work up too much but are you comfortable sharing you know what your spending is together in a given year now and and maybe what that fire number is to you
0: definitely so in terms of our spending our annual spending has ranged over the past seven years or so from anywhere between eighteen thousand dollars a year and twenty seven thousand dollars a year combined excluding the national park strip which was very expensive so we're looking at eighteen to twenty seven thousand dollars a year for the two of us combined, depending on the year. So our fire number—I mean, if you want to call it twenty five times something in the middle of that range—I think that's a reasonable estimate for us. We've really lost sight of like having a very specific numerical goal anymore. But I guess I'd say that's the best estimate I could give for what what we would consider ourselves to be financially independent.
1: So throughout the whole episode, I mean, it sounds like. You know, you're kind of really refining. Like you find things that you you want financial independence to look like. You're finding things that make you happy. You're kind of seeing how you want to set your life up. What along the way did you discover that was something that you didn't want financial independence to look like? Like you tried it, and you're like, mm, that's not it, or that was a problem, or you know, what are some of the the less shiny moments?
0: Well, here's what I would say. I've always been very entrepreneurial. I think we both have, honestly, and. So we've toyed around with the idea of, like, starting a business, especially early on. Like, maybe that's how we want to make our income, you know. Maybe we should start a business together and do that. And I think over the years, we've kind of seen that we really enjoy the flexibility that employment can provide in the sense that you can turn it on and off when you want you can go part-time, you can quit a job, you can start a new job. If you start a business, you may find yourself a little bit committed to that because it really does take a commitment to do something like that. And I think what we've found over the years is that we really like flexibility in our lives, and that's become more and more a part of our financial independence picture. And so the idea of like starting a a business that we're both full-time at all day every day that kind of faded away because we said, hey, we really like this flexibility idea and that's not really compatible with that. That's not to say we would never start a business in the future. Maybe that's a fun thing we'll do, but I would say that's one thing that's changed a little bit over time.
3: Yeah, definitely like valuing our own time more and you know, the trips really do kind of reiterate that for us, You know, seeing what you can do when you're able to just kind of pick up and go somewhere has kind of changed our outlook on like do we really want x y or z if it's going to help if it's going to like tie us down more in some way because it's really fun to like go get in a van and drive around the country
2: (laughs) definitely that sounds awesome all right so steven and lauren if people are enjoying this episode they want to follow up learn more about your story your incredible journey some future trips that you have planned i'm sure there's going to be many of those coming down the road where's the best place for people to get in contact with you
3: So uh, you could go to our website, tripofalifestyle.com, and subscribe to receive our new posts. We're also on social media. We're Trip of a Lifestyle on Facebook and Instagram. And on Twitter, we are TOA Lifestyle. And yeah, any of those channels are great to connect with us. If you like us on Facebook, you'll see our posts there as well we share more than just like our own content. We do try to like engage with folks. So that's a really good way to get in touch. And then obviously you can also email us. It's on the website as well.
0: And honestly, we like hearing from people. Like if you leave a comment, we will reply to you. And like we like engaging with people. So don't be shy.
3: We reply to every email that we get. Yeah. So. <laughs> awesome.
1: And then the one thing that we always like to ask all of our guests is for those who are on a path to financial independence, what's your kind of number one tangible tip for them?
0: I would say our number one tip for people is that you don't need to think of financial independence as like a strict accumulation phase and then retirement phase. Like it doesn't really have to work like that. Life is fluid and life is not supposed to be like this exact roadmap you have to follow precisely, right? So don't be afraid to enjoy life along the way. And also make sure that you're realizing as you're saving more and more money that every single dollar that you invest is another dollar, more freedom that you have. It's a continuum, right? It's not just like a binary. No, I'm not free. I have to work full time all day, every day. And now today, suddenly I hit this balance and now I'm free. Every single dollar is a little bit freer. You have more and more options and choices open to you. Like if you've saved a hundred thousand dollars and you spend 25K a year, you got to step back for a second and think to yourself, well, I'm nowhere near financial independence, but geez, I could take four years off of work in a row without earning a penny and actually be okay, right? I'm not going to do that. I'm on this path. I know my goals. I know where I want to get. But wow, that should give me this sense of freedom that like I really do have choice every day. And just feeling that everything you're doing and every day you go to work is a choice makes it a lot better. So take that agency in your life, I guess.
3: The only thing I would add is every time that we've gone into like negotiations or with our employers or, you know, made these kind of radical changes, taken these trips. It's only because we have felt comfortable with like our financial safety net. And I feel like people sometimes in the fire community get so dead set on, again, like reaching that specific number that dictates whether or not they can have more choice. Recognize that like you could ask your boss if you want to work a few days less a month, you know, you can see if maybe a four day work week would be better for you. And if they don't want to do that, you still have options. Like I I think having more options available to you is the most important takeaway with regard to like every dollar you're freer. Like Steven said, I, I really think thinking about it from that perspective, that mindset of, you have choices and you have more choices every dollar that gets, you know, put away for your future.
2: Awesome. All right. And now it is the most important question of the podcast, or maybe not. It's the wild card question. So I'm not ready. Justin's not ready. So Stephen, Lauren, neither of you are ready. But are you ready? <laughs> <laughs> Let's we'll do it. Try to be. <laughs> all right. So like I said before, I love how you guys are kind of scrappy travelers. I've seen kind of that theme throughout your blog and doing my homework, reading all your stuff. What is like the cheapest, scrappiest thing? It could be like a night accommodation. It could be something you did to get around paying for something on any trip that you can think of. Either you guys can tackle this one or as a team. (laughs) Are you going
3: to talk about Hawaii?
0: Yeah,
2: I was gonna.
3: Okay. (laughs) That's the one I was thinking of too.
0: (laughs) So in Hawaii, as I mentioned before, we didn't really want to buy a bunch of furniture and stuff. So our apartment was pretty hilarious. So first of all, this one's the less terrible one. Instead of having a couch, couches are expensive and you can't resell them for the same value. We just bought a card table and chairs at Walmart for $50. You get the table and the chairs and they're they're the cheapest possible garbage Walmart chairs and (laughs) table as possible. So that was like our entertaining space. And it was where we also sat like just with a little laptop to watch TV or whatever. when we wanted to watch TV. It was an all
3: purpose table. It was an all purpose (laughs) table. It was our
0: work table, our couch, our desk. It was everything. And then the other thing in that apartment that was pretty hilarious was in our bedroom, we didn't buy a mattress either because, again, mattresses are expensive and you can't resell them for anywhere near full value. So we actually bought the thickest possible mattress topper that you can find <laughs> at Target. And uh, it wasn't quite good enough. So we actually bought a second like super cheap like $20 mattress topper. I think from Walmart or something later on, and added that on top of the other mattress topper to make a makeshift bed on our tile floor. Yeah, it was like six, <laughs> it
3: was like six inches of memory foam on tile, and that was our bed for six months.
0: We were but we were just unwilling to accept the depreciation that would come with a bed and a couch over the course of six months.
3: We also really didn't want to buy like a used couch or bed. A lot of times, those are harder to clean, and we we're kind of put off on that kind of furniture buying use so we're like we'll just buy new stuff that is really cheap and our neighbors in hawaii everyone like leaves their windows and even like their front door open everyone has screens for airflow and i'm pretty sure our neighbors thought we were like super super poor and in fact when one of them was moving out they're like you guys have no furniture do you want our furniture that we're like gonna sell and we're like that's true
0: (laughs) people did did start to pity us
1: (laughs) Lauren and Steven, this has been a lot of fun. Thanks for coming on. I mean, it's a a very inspiring story, and I'm hoping it gets some people out there and stepping away a little bit from the grind and enjoying life. So thanks for coming on.
3: Thanks for having us. Thank you. It's a lot of fun too.
2: I love episodes like this, Justin. Lauren and Steven seems like they just kind of figured it out right off the bat exactly how they wanted to live their lives, and now they're just running with it.
1: I mean, this episode was one of my favorites just because I love this idea of living on the road and like living in a camper van is always something I've wanted to do. Literally in the middle of trying to sell my old truck and buy a camper van and start working on the the remodel soon, so I'm sure we'll be chronicling that as that starts to happen. But yeah, I mean, these guys really started off with that with that honeymoon trip where they were just thinking about things a little differently, and that is a common theme we see with people in this community. They just kind of think about things a little outside of the status quo. So like, let's not do just a little trip to Hawaii in a nice big resort that's expensive. Let's do six months, get an apartment, still work a little bit. And you know, I use car and instead of renting a car, like all these things it really just makes so much sense. And when you look at the cost per day of their vacation, it turns out to basically be zero versus someone going for a week, their cost per day might be a thousand dollars a day.
2: Speaking of just bashing like status quo's, I think Lauren and Stephen are such an awesome example of you don't have to spend a million dollars to see all these different places. Like they did mention, yes, there were some national parks that they had to take like private flights and helicopters and all the crazy stuff to. And so for the people who are like, oh, like I can never do that. Like I don't have a million dollars. I don't have $500,000 to go drop and visit all these places. You can do it on the cheap as long as you keep those big expenses down. You know, they're keeping their housing down. They have renters. While they're gone, they signed a seven-month lease with someone to rent out their house. They have cheap cars. They buy food cheaply. They're just doing everything right to keep the big expenses down. So then they can go spend, you know, $20,000 a year on travel and still not break the bank.
1: And speaking of like them thinking about things differently, even those thoughts and those perceptions in their own minds have changed throughout this journey. And I thought that was really cool. Like they come into this honeymoon and they're just thinking, This is gonna be a really cool six month thing. And then they come back to work and they're actually like pretty fired up because they're like, This is the life that we're gonna be able to get to. If we put our nose to the grindstone, we're working hard. Then they take the the national parks trip. So they take a few more months off. But this time when they come back, their thought is more of why are we working so hard to try to retire so fast? Like we could do this. This is sustainable. We can mix this in now and have tons of trips like this and not worry about trying to retire super fast or hit this one specific number. Like we can actually build this into our lifestyle. And so I think that's another thing just to keep in mind for people, especially if you're kind of early on with your financial independence journey, you can make a lot of plans as you should. You can try as much as you want to plan and to think of what life's gonna look like, but just be prepared that things will change. And I mean, but a lot of times it's for the better. Like we always hear people who are naysayers to this. They say, yeah, but life happens. But for them, life happened in a good way.
2: And one thing that was really surprising, I guess not surprising, but something I hadn't really heard before, before I kind of dug into their story and we had them on the podcast for an interview, was that I just figured, you know, they did some freelance writing, they did some freelance work. But one really cool thing they did was they negotiated this like part time stuff with their previous jobs. Every single time they'd go on one of these long adventures, whether it was successful or not, I know they mentioned that Stephen wasn't as successful the first time. Lauren wasn't as successful the second time. They negotiate these hours where they're working, you know, 10 hours a week remote while they're still visiting all these national parks. Maybe they wake up and work for two hours from eight to 10 a.m. before they go on their hike. But that just seems like a really cool thing and something that Someone who's stuck in the status quo, who doesn't want to think a little bit outside of the box, wouldn't even think to negotiate that with their employer. They just think, oh, you know, i got to quit my job if I want to do this. But it doesn't seem like that has to be the case.
1: Yeah, I mean, it reminds me of that. Whoa.
2: What was that, Justin?
1: It's a call to action. So the call to action this week is to, you know, you can go over and get some ideas at tripofalifestyle.com where these guys are writing, but just start thinking about some kind of trip you would like to take and how you could be creative with it and do it in a frugal way. For instance, like my freshman year of college, I went on this huge road trip where we went almost 6,000 miles in 12 days. We camped everywhere along the way. I mean, it cost almost nothing other than a little gas money. And I got to see all these national parks, see most of the country that I never got to see. You don't need a ton of money to see a lot of the world, especially like, you know, you have kids. Those plane tickets can really start adding up. So maybe just throw everybody the car and don't feel like you have to buy some big, nice hotel because hopefully when you're on the road and you're seeing things, the hotel is just a place you pop in and out of when it's dark and it's time to sleep. So get out there, get on the road, find a nice, frugal way to see the world.
2: Love that call to action, Justin. I'm a huge proponent for traveling. Traveling just kind of opens your eyes, lets you see more of the world, and you can do it on the cheap. So if you want an in-depth look at everything we talked about in this episode, you want some links, you want some show notes, you can do that at thefyshow.com. trip and if you want to join one of the most fun, inclusive, personal finance communities on the internet, you can do that in our Facebook group at thefiveshowcom community. And if you have a second, we really appreciate those five-star ratings and reviews. It really keeps us motivated and allows us to get great guests on like Steven and Lauren. Thanks for listening. See you on next week's episode of The Fi
1: Show.